Hey, everybody. Welcome to You Were Born for this podcast with Father John Ricardo. That's me. I'm Father John. I'm the executive director at Acts 29, where we talk about anything and everything having to do with transformation in the church. I'm here, as always, with a fellow missionary uh, with Acts 29, Mary Guilfoyle. Mary, how are you? I'm doing great, Father, and you? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks. Hard to believe uh, it's already Memorial Day week. Unbelievable. But things wow. are glorious. Things are in bloom, and I think we're ready for some warmer weather, at least here in Michigan, right? No, no parades today, but we got some lawnmowers <laughs> rolling around outside. So um, It's a good sound, and it smells good, too. You never know what background noise is going to be in our podcast, <laughs> but uh, we like it. It means it's spring and uh, actually, we went from spring to summer. We went from winter to summer in Michigan. That's pretty typical, right? But uh, no complaints. So uh, what's our topic today? Uh, we have a great conversation ahead of us today. The title of our uh, conversation is, Does God Act? Boy, I sure hope so. So uh, let's Amen pray that he'll that. act right now, shall we? In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, we do come before you uh, as your sons and daughters with gratitude uh, and with expectant faith that not only will you be present right now in this conversation uh, but that you will act uh, in our hearts and in the hearts and minds of all of those that you have made in your image and your likeness uh, that you've redeemed by the precious blood of your son and that you've created so as to be uh, divinized one day with you lord we ask that you would Continue to give us greater trust and a greater capacity to understand your power so that we would never live in hopelessness or fear or even just in simple resignation. So we uh, entrust this conversation to you now, and uh, we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. In the name, in the name of the, of the Father, Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you so much, Father John. What is... Um, why don't you just talk about the backdrop for the conversation that you and I are going to have? Yeah, can I can I give a little shout out before we do that, real quick? I want to you give a, can. I want to give a shout out to uh, Reverend Mister Christopher Epplett for the Diocese of Grand Rapids. So um, you and I were fortunate to serve with. Yes, we were. Chris a number of years ago back in parish ministry, and uh, I was fortunate to be at his uh, transitional diaconate ordination this past Saturday uh, at the cathedral in Grand Rapids, and uh, just so uh, so great to see. Men, and, and, and next month or two months from now, I'll get a chance to see um, one of the women that we knew who was at the parish make her first vows or her first profession in religious life. And so uh, just special shout out to Chris and to all those who have just gotten ordained, whether it was the, the transitional or permanent diaconate or to the priesthood. Uh, so uh, we love you, brother, and we're, we're really proud of you and grateful for you. Yes. Indeed we do. And the last time I was at the parish, uh, Chris happened to be there and he was in his clerics and uh, still a little bit for me to get my head around all of that, but he's going to make an, an extraordinary priest, yeah. and, and, and we need we need more we beautiful priests, do. right? So we love you, brother. So the backdrop is yeah. uh, is the, the news that uh, I, I presume most people have heard, but maybe not everybody, because uh, the secular media probably doesn't cover these things, and unless you're um, imbued in Catholic media or whatnot, you might not have seen it either. But last Friday, uh, Archbishop Cordelione, who's the Archbishop of San Francisco, made public a letter that he had sent to Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi the day before. And it, it's not our intent to a, actually even to get lost in this issue. Uh, it's actually this issue raises the question, does God act? Um, but I just want to read the, 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 if you will, the summary uh, or the, um, uh, the most essential details from that letter 
um, which he made public. And, and so after some very lengthy things, uh, this is what he says uh, to the speaker. He says, as you have not publicly repudiated your position on abortion and continue to refer to your Catholic faith in justifying your position and to receive Holy Communion, that time has now come. That's in reference to a, a number of paragraphs before this. Therefore, in light of my responsibility as the Archbishop of San Francisco to be concerned for all the Christian faithful entrusted to my care, by means of this communication, I hereby notify you that you are not to present yourself for Holy Communion, and should you do so, you are not to be admitted to Holy Communion until such time as you publicly repudiate your advocacy for the legitimacy of abortion and confess and receive absolution of this grave sin in the sacrament of penance. And then he goes on to say, please know I stand ready to continue our conversation, which she's had many times with her at any time, and will continue to offer up prayer and fasting for you. And then he, he, he closes by saying, I ask the faithful in the Archdiocese of San Francisco to pray for all of our legislators, especially Catholic legislators who promote procured abortion that with the help and under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, they may undergo a conversion of heart in this most grave matter, and human life may be protected and fostered in every age or every stage and condition of life. So that's the, that's the backdrop. That's the content. But what we want to talk about today, I think in a particular way, Father John, is um, some of the comments that we're hearing um, from within the church mm. as this letter was made public. Right, and exactly. And, and, and what are we hearing? What are, what are you reading? Yeah, so some of the things I've either heard or I've read, they, they, you know, it's, it's, it's some derivation of, you know, what difference is this going to make? Like, do you really expect her to change? Is anything going to happen from this? And either it's asked rhetorically as if to imply, well, of course it's not, uh, or it's just answered downright with a, well, no, we really don't think anything's going to happen here. You know, as I'm sitting here listening to you posit that, I'm putting my my name in the slot where Nancy Pelosi's name is. So do you think Mary Guilfoyle's ever going to change? Do you think anything is really going to happen? Or is that just the way Mary's going to be, like, forever? And man, oh man, I pray not. Right? You nailed it. That's exactly that's exactly the issue. Because you know, so I, I appreciate comments like that. Um, but to 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 me anyway, they raise mm -hmm. this deeper question, and that deeper question is the title of this episode, which is like, does God really act? Like, does he intervene in human history? Does he change people's hearts? Can can I change? That's right. Can you change? That's right. And and maybe even more fundamentally, like, do any of us really have a clue? about the power of grace. Remember the comment that we, we have a, a good priest friend, Father Prentice Tipton. Remember the comment that he oh made? Oh, my gosh. This, yeah. this is regards the Eucharist in particular, yeah. but it could apply to any Yeah, he says something like, like we, we expect more from a bottle of Tylenol, right, he says, than we do in the Eucharist. Right? Yeah. That's our expectation. We move into that with an expectancy that we don't necessarily have when we come before the Lord God in prayer or in the sacraments, right? Exactly. You take a couple of pills and you expect your headache to get better. Yeah. We pray, and I think many people, unfortunately, just take this issue, our, our honest expectation is not much. So and we expect more from Tylenol 
than we do from the power of the God who created a universe that's 95 billion light years across. Yeah, get your head around that figure alone. So, so Father John, so for those of us who profess to have these unique lenses on, you know, to see the world, you know, mm-hmm. through a sacramental view or a biblical worldview, this is what people are saying who who supposedly have that biblical worldview and are steeped in scripture. And we read, we, we, we read the truth that, um, um, that we can change that, you know, behold, God makes all things new. If any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. The new will come. We're steeped in a biblical worldview. And yet when it comes to like very practical matters in the world of politics or education or whatever, we really don't expect that he's going to do what we know he has said. So I'll challenge you. I enough. actually don't think we're steeped in the biblical worldview. I think this is a this is a great indication of the fact that many people in the church, if we're honest, mm-hmm. they don't see reality through biblical lenses. They f- see them through the lenses that the culture gives. And the, the lenses of the culture is that God might be real, but it's irrelevant. He doesn't act. He just wound up creation at best, even if, if he's even real. But even if he's real, this is an enlightenment way of seeing. Um, he doesn't act. It's totally up to us. And therefore, we can predict people's behaviors based on their earlier behaviors. That is not a biblical worldview. A biblical worldview right. is, you know, not to say that um, past performance isn't an indicator of what might happen in the future, but it's not a given because the Holy Spirit can do extraordinary things in people's lives, thanks be to God, starting with me. Right, Father John. And I agree 100%, but I think what I, I think the point maybe I was trying to communicate is I don't expect those who don't have a biblical worldview to appreciate grace and power and, 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 and what God can do. I expect the world to think like the world. If these remarks are coming from people in the church then I would expect that they would have a worldview. And so I'm just wondering if, if, if there is, what, what would cause someone, uh, those of our brothers and sisters in the church, to expect that nothing will change? And they have a biblical worldview. Yeah, so I'll keep coming back. Like, I, I think this is actually an indication that, they, that we don't. In the church, you would say. Absolutely, yes, because I don't think anybody from the world's listening to our podcast right now. I'm not sure anybody's listening to the podcast <laughs> no. right now. But if <laughs> anybody's hilarious. listening, I wouldn't expect it to be like, you know, uh, anchors from, you know, the secular media. I think this is yet another indication of the Lord's, like, knocking on our doors in the church. Like, you pray, do you actually expect me to do something you know, or are you just mouthing words? And I think, you know, if I'm honest, at times in the past, like, I've just mouthed words. My, my godfather, who's passed away now, Johnny Green, just a great man, um, who, uh, you know, played professional football back in the 40s and 50s in the NFL, um, and became a very successful man. He's, he, he walked away from the church at a certain point. And he came back, thanks be to God, I was able to celebrate his funeral. Um, but I remember I used to pray for him every day, every day. Uh, that he would come back to the church. And it, it had become just a really simple rote prayer. You know, I just mentioned his name. And I'm sure when I first started to pray for him, it was fervent. Mm-hmm. But I can remember the day that I was praying for him. I was driving on a gravel road uh, at a house that I was living at the time. And I just mentioned his name. And out of nowhere, I felt like I heard the Lord say, do you think he's beyond my reach? Mm. And I went, mm-hmm. oh, 
And, and it was almost like the Lord just calling my bluff, like you mouth his name in prayer, mm. but I don't think you really expect me to do anything or that I can do anything. And I think that's how a lot of us pray for people. First of all, I don't think a lot of us are praying at all. I think we're just complaining about people. If I honest, I do. I, I complain a lot more than I pray uh, for individuals. But even if we are praying, are we really praying with faith? You know, think of, I always used to be uh, troubled by the contrast between, you know, the angel coming to Zechariah and the angel coming to Mary. Same angel. It's pretty much the same announcement. Mary says, how can this be? Zechariah says, how can this be? Mary's like, you know, greeted with these spectacular words from the angel, Zacharias struck mute. And I, I, and, and I, used, to, I used to wrestle with this for a long time until, and there's a number of differences to be sure, but one of them is the greeting that Zachariah receives from the angel is, your prayer has been heard. To which Zachariah says, how can this be? In other words, Zechariah and, and Elizabeth haven't had any children. They got married, who knows when. And presumably, uh, once they realized we're not having any children, they started to pray with great faith. And the way I read that passage, this isn't like the definitive interpretation, but the way I read that passage is that went on for years. Mm. At one point, they were praying with great confidence, great trust. Lord, we know you. We know you can do anything. And somehow, over time, that prayer became more like the prayer of, I'm just mouthing words, but I don't really think you're going to do anything. And lo and behold, here comes an archangel and tells them, your prayer has been heard. And Zacharias says, how can this be? To which the angel more or less says, well, then why did you bother to pray? Mm. That's interesting. Does that make sense? Yeah. You know, I, um, Father John, I have to tell you, just um, it was Saturday. I was praying um, the joyful mysteries of the rosary, and I was just praying with the Annunciation so I was just actually praying the rosary out loud by myself. And I was saying, gosh, you know, Lord, you know, this angel comes to Our Lady. She has the scriptures open before her, which makes her heart so docile to this announcement, right? And immediately Our Lady said, you know, be it done to me according right. to thy word. I mean, this incredible receptivity. So we're having this conversation about those who have a biblical world and those who don't. She was steeped in scriptures. And so right? was Zachariah because he was a priest. And yet somehow, even though he'd been proclaiming the word of God and had lived in it, it had all become like ancient history for him or something, so much so that he didn't think this could happen. And so that's back to the point for, for us right now as Christians who have been tasked by the archbishop and who are tasked by the word of God to pray for those in authority, do we really think God can move? So, so to that point, Father John, I, I would say that God was, pers like, like God was pursuing men and women in scripture whose stories we, you know, we read about and talk about long before they were ever seeking him. So the initiative is always God's, Absolutely. right? Whether we're praying or not, Spot on. the initiative is always his. And so I guess that's where I put my trust and my confidence. And you've said this often over the years, God wants his children back more than we want them back. So instead of us pray for, you know, our family members who might be away from the faith, 
And my confidence is, is that God is already pursuing them. And God's already pursuing our legislature, our, our legislators and our leaders and everything else. That doesn't get us off the hook, though, for, for praying, praying That's right. well, with expectancy, That's right. um, with faith. And I would right. still say um, that Our Lady... Um, I don't know. I can't, I can't counter your argument there. Can we re-record this podcast and cut <laughs> no, this part out? <laughs> no, I mean... So I, that, I just find that so interesting. Yeah, and it, I, that's about. why I think it's such a provocative scene for us. I think if we're... If, you know, not all of us, but I think if we're honest, if I'm honest, when I'm praying sometimes for people, I'm not expecting anything. That's why I think this is such a timely moment. We're supposed to pray with great faith, not just mouth words. And... Um, that's what we're being tasked with right now, whether it's for the Speaker of the House, whether it's for the President, whether it's for my grandmother, whether it's for my son, whether it's for me. Like, you know, especially as we get closer to Pentecost right now, the Holy Spirit can do unbelievable things. I mean, we're talking about our faith is that Jesus, who was dead, buried, is alive. Like, if that can happen, can a heart change? Do you think sometimes, Father John, the difference is is when you're praying, when you're interceding for someone and they're far removed from your life? So let's say, you know, it, it's those who lead our nation in our nation's capital. And, and the difference of fervency and expectation that we pray for one another when we're in one another's presence. Yeah, I think there's a, yes, I, I think so. And I, I think if I'm honest, like the person I least expect God to be able to move in is me. You know, because I, I know me, and, and I know my capacity to resist his grace. I know my capacity to be obstinate. I know my capacity to be disobedient. And so, and, and, I, and I just don't think, well, I mean, sure, he's going to move in your life. I mean, you're a, you know, you're a spectacular disciple. He's going he's gonna to bless you abundantly. But me? Like, no, I think he'll probably move on. This, this is why this is such a significant topic, I think. Like, do we really think... God wants to transform us. And the answer from Scripture is a resounding yes. You better believe it. Like God delights in reclamation projects. So what, what, keeps, us, uh, what, what keeps those of us in the church from having that kind of expectancy when we're, when, we're, when we're simply stepping into intercessory prayer? What is the remedy for that? Yeah, so ah, glad you asked it that way because I was going to say, I don't know what keeps us from it, but I think the remedy is simply, again, as we approach Pentecost, like, Holy Spirit, I'm just asking you to come into my life in a deeper way and to really help me understand who you are. So you just said the Holy Spirit. So let me ask you this. Do you think sometimes it's challenging for people to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit? Oh, totally. The way I always joke about right. it is like, who can have a friendship with a bird, right? The Holy Spirit's not a bird, he's, but, right. but he's, he's depicted as a dove oftentimes, right. and that's just not helpful for people. It's a biblical image. I totally get it. But yes, I, you know, the way we would often talk about it is, um, you know, we, we keep the Holy Spirit hostage. You know, we do. We, we put him in a straitjacket. Received him in baptism, jacket. received right. him in confirmation. I've got him right here in my drawer. I can show you the certificate. But to really let him move in my life, uh, very frightening. And, but for this matter, for this topic, it's really just to ask the Holy Spirit, maybe it's a couple things. Help me to know who you are, but then help me to know what you can do. Mm -hmm. And that's why I think it's so significant to know, you know, we talk about this a lot when we talk about uh, 
making sure we get clarity on the mission of a disciple. You know, we talk about people who've done extraordinary things in life, and one of the people that we talk about is Dorothy Day. Dorothy Day was not a good woman. Dorothy Day was an anarchist. She was a communist. She had an abortion. She had a number of affairs. She tried to take her life. And then, boom! And you know what brought God her? broke into her life! And you know how he broke into her life? How? She simply witnessed a neighbor in their house, in the neighbor's house, on their knees praying. She had gone into her neighbor's house to see if her daughter could come out and play. Hmm. And she saw Mrs. Bennett on her knees in prayer and said, you know, Caitlin's already gone outside. Um, and she, and then she just turned her, her, her attention back to prayer. Hmm. Dorothy Day said, in that moment, she had, an, she had an experience of God. It was the witness of someone who was praying. And we would think, wow, for a woman who was steeped in, in, um, in those various struggles, it was something as simple as watching someone else pray. So, I love that. So what it does is it speaks to the power of, um, of the witness that we give in our own lives. Right. And I would argue just sharing with people right. what God has done in our life. Yeah, and it, and it speaks to a whole a, other a, set of things. Well, no, it speaks to a boatload mm-hmm. of things. But, but the significant thing, I think, for us is regardless of how it happened, it happened. Yes, it does. She changed. And it still does. She changed by the power of God moving in her life. Why? Because God acts. Can I can I bring something else up? So how many times do no, we... No, we're going to close the podcast right now. Thanks very much. Sorry, I'm getting, I'm getting all excited here. Think about, you know, we read over and over again in Scripture, you know, um, Saul on the road to Damascus. Do we... Yeah, nobody would have expected Saul... No. ...to become what he became, right? Absolutely. Dismas hanging on the, on the cross, cross next to Jesus. Remember like, me when you come into your kingdom. It didn't look good for him, right? Any any of the saints, right? right. Whether whether it's Augustine, whether it's Magdalene, whether it's any of us, right? Right. So which which brings us back to to us now. Right. God acts. He changes lives. He transforms hearts even when we're not pursuing it. That's why I love uh, you bringing up Saul. Saul was not looking for an encounter with Jesus. You know, God's, the initiative is always God's. Always. And yet, as you mentioned um, right on, our task, our privileged task as priests, and we're all priests by baptism, is to have access to the Father and to stand in agonizing prayer before him on behalf of those who need him. And right now, in this specific situation, Speaker Pelosi needs him to move, to transform her heart, to make it more like the heart of Jesus. She's not the only one. I need it. No, you amen. need it. We all need we all it, do. right? We all do. But let's commit in these days to really pray for our leaders, to pray for one another, and to ask God to deepen our faith and our sense of expectancy and our just trust in his power. You know, like, nothing is impossible for God. Not nothing except changing the hearts of those who lead. Nothing is impossible for God. Amen, Father John. And, you know, I think that one of the other things we do, just kind of going back to what you and I were talking about, is to just ask for a real confidence mm. in the Holy Spirit who is in us. Pray that the Spirit would be stirred within us. Yeah. 
Right. I love that, especially again as we get closer and closer to Pentecost, because it is right around the corner now. Yeah, and let's pray for each so other. So this is too. This, this is why this is extraordinary news, right? You've talked about transformation in the church. Here's how transformation happens: God acts, and because He acts, and because He acts not just in people's lives far away, but in my life, your life, the lives of those of you who are listening. Because that's true, do not be afraid. God is with you and you were born for this.